Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Are you ready for God's Word this morning? Good to be in the house of the Lord with you. How many of you are keeping up your good habits that you started in 2019, your resolutions, you're still working towards those? Yeah, you know, right now is the time when people begin to fall off, right? This is now the time when people are like, eh, do I really wanna work out five days a week? Do I really wanna skip that pizza, you know? Right now is that time where people begin to kind of say, I don't know if this resolution is really working out for me. I don't know if this is who I really want to be, right? But not us, right? We're sticking to it. We're making good habits because we have a community around us that's helping us, right? Because we're creating space for God to speak to our lives, to give ourselves more to God. See what I did there the last two weeks that we talked about that, being in community, fasting, and praying. You know, uh, Jay and I have been working out together. We did that. Uh, our resolution started in October to get to get more fit. And we've been consistently going. And then the beginning of the year, gym was packed out. We could not get equipment. We couldn't, we couldn't, you know, get our position in front of the mirror to see our guns. You know, all the important stuff. We just couldn't. We're like, scoot over, bro. You know, it was really packed. It was so packed out. And then this last week, it was like, where did, where did all these people go? Where, where are they? They must have already reached their goals. That's what, that's right, huh? We probably, they already, man, they're so fast. They meet their, their goals ahead, ahead of schedule. Uh, and so it's just interesting how we kind of fall off when, when things be get, get a little comfortable or the new year loses its luster. You know, it's like, well, we're midway through January now. Let's not get too excited about 2019, right? But I believe that we, we're continuing to make good habits in our lives and we're continuing to see growth in our lives because we're being intentional about what we want to see God do in us, right? Even when things get tough, even when we get comfortable, we're still pressing forward. Would you agree? We're not going to go back to our old habits. Yes. Say not today. Tell the devil, not today, devil. I'm not going back today. We're going forward. So we're continuing in our series, Healthy Habits, this morning, cultivating and building healthy spiritual habits that will help us remain and grow in Christ. Like I said, first week, week one, we talked about community, being in community, mastering the art of showing up for each other, to be there for each other. Jesus said this one command I have for you that you would love each other the way that I loved you. We can't really love people if we're not around people, right? We agree with that. And being in community helps us to develop, become more like Jesus. So really that's a big one for us. If you're still not yet in a community group, I would encourage you to go to the back. Find one that's near you on a day that works for you, Monday through Friday. We have groups meeting and you can join one of those. And then we also talked about creating room, fasting our lives, creating space for God to speak to our lives and giving ourselves more fully to him, devoting that time to him. And this morning, I wanna preach to you about creating and cultivating the healthy habit of giving. Can you say giving this morning? And now when I spoke last week on fasting, I, I taught about uh, out of Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast, all of the wins, not if, if you do these things, but when you do that, being a part of a follower, being a follower of Jesus means we are going to do those things. It's instinctive in us that if we're gonna have a relationship with Jesus, we're gonna pray to him, or else, how else are we communicating to him? Prayer is speaking to God, that's all that it is. We know that if we're gonna look like Jesus, we also have to be generous like Jesus because Jesus gave everything for us. 
He established everything for us. This is how generous God is. God created the world for us that we could, we could enjoy the creation of who God is. Then we messed it up. We gave it away to the enemy. We forfeited our authority. And then he loves us so much and he's so generous. He said, I'll come back down, set things right again and give it back to you. Isn't that such a generous God? How many of you would give a gift to somebody, they break it and you say, let me get you another one. Let me, let me fix it for you and put it back together for you. That's generous. That's a God who's a, who's a generous God. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then we have to look like Jesus and generosity as part of his attributes. So this morning, we're going to speak about giving. And I know this is a controversial topic in church. People don't really like to hear about uh, money in church. It becomes a sensitive topic. Does anybody already feel uncomfortable? Uh, good. All right. This whole site, I believe that you, you are already giving to your full potential. No one's, no one's uncomfortable. That's great. Just me. Okay, great. Uh, so we, we, I know people get, we get uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable. And I know that some people, I've even heard this argument. Maybe you've heard this argument. Maybe you've said this before in, in church that uh, people, people will leave the church or people won't even come into the church because they've said this saying, all they want is my money. All they want is my money. Right? And has anybody ever wrestled with that even? I don't want to go to that church. All they want is my money. Or you have friends and family. I've had family members even tell me all the church wants is my money. But can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? We don't, we don't really want your money. You know that God doesn't, doesn't need your money. And in fact, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we are deceiving ourselves when we say our money. The Bible says that the earth is the fullness of the earth belongs to God. He owns everything. So really it's his money and you're being a steward or a manager over it. Really, it all belongs to God. He doesn't need your money. He can make whatever happen happen when he wants it to happen because he's God. Amen. But, but why is money so important in the church? Why is it crucial? What does it really say about us? See, God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. And here's the interesting thing about money and heart. What did Jesus say? If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 21, or you can follow along in, uh, on the screen, the big Bible in the sky right behind me. This is what Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For some reason, our hearts and our treasures are tied together. And one of the fastest to, ways to see where your heart is, is to see where your treasure is going. What are you investing in? What are you spending your money on? What are you, what is important to you? Because what's important to you is what you'll invest in. Agreed? Now somebody getting uncomfortable yet? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here is my question. Where is your heart today? What do you care more about? Do you care more about building your own comfort? Building your own kingdom? or partnering with God and building his kingdom. The beauty of being in relationship with God is that he allows us to partner with him in establishing his will, his kingdom in the earth. And a part of that is being a people who are generous. And when we give to God, we are saying to him that we want you to partner with us. We wanna partner with you in our finances. And that, like my dad said this morning, without knowing that I was speaking on this, is that it opens up doors for us that God can bless us so that we can bless others with our generosity. 
The Bible tells us that we are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to be hoarders of a blessing. We're not blessed so that we can have fancier cars or bigger homes or giant 401ks. We are blessed to bless others. And in blessing others, we continue to receive the blessing from God. So the question then is, how do we build a healthy habit of giving? Do you remember I was talking about this from week one about how our actions are votes for the people that we wanna become or the people that will remain? Do you remember that? Our actions are votes. Our actions are demonstrations. And as the votes build up, the evidence builds up of who we are. So if we want to become generous people because Christ is a generous God, we want to look like him, then we cast votes of generosity. We cast votes of giving that will build up and then our lives will reflect a generous heart. Does that make sense? That's how we begin to build up a healthy habit of giving. We are casting votes over time. And I, I believe that you, like me, want to be a generous person. Do you know how good it feels when you're able to bless somebody or take care of a need with, of, for somebody and not expect anything in return? You know, this is not like a loan and you'll pay me back. You know, this is, here's the interest, the rate of this. No, but it's like, I know that you need it. I heard about it. I found out about it. I want to bless you and I want to love you. It's a, it's a beautiful blessing to us when we're able to be generous. How many of you would love to do that on a regular basis? I want to just give to people. I want to love people. I want to bless people. I want to take care of needs. Yeah. We want to do that. We want to look like that. We want to be those kind of people, but it doesn't happen just by itself. It happens when we develop, we begin to cast votes, small votes that are consistent and that are faithful. It happens when we are developing the habit in our lives, the baby steps. Like if you wanna be a runner, you put on your running shoes every morning, you step outside the door, even if you run from here to your neighbor's house and back, that might be a long ways if you live in the country like me, but if you live in the city, you know, it's just the small steps, just the small steps to build the habit of generosity. It begins, I would argue with tithing, I believe, that tithing opens the door to living a generous life. If you're writing down, you wanna write down a note here, I want you to write this down. That tithing is foundational to build a generous life. Tithing is foundational to build a generous life. Now I know that tithing is maybe a confusing thing. It's a, it's a confusing word. It's not a word that we walk around talking about all the time. You know, we don't, we don't use that in everyday language, but tithing just means 10. It means a 10th, it means 10%. That's what tithing is. I mean, you know, you're, you don't usually, uh, you know, talk to your, your, your waiter and say, you know what, you did a great job. I'm gonna give you a tithe for the, for the great work that you did, right? Partially because that would be too low. We should be giving our waiters and waitresses 20%, but that's a whole nother issue, okay? We're gonna, you know, some of us are having issues with tithing and we aren't, we're giving better tips to our waiters. But anyway, let's, let's look at this and get back on track. The first mention of the tithe in the Bible is with Abraham. Do you guys know who Abraham is? The father of the promise, the one who God called out and said, I'll make you a great nation. Abraham is the one who first mentions a tithe or a 10, 10% and he gives it, gives it to this man named Melchizedek, who the Bible says is the prince of Salem, he gives him a tenth of the plunder that he received from war. 
And do you know that the Old Testament gives us types and shadows of Jesus, the forecoming of Jesus? Do you know this? The Bible says the Old Testament is profitable. It's scripture to help us learn and to grow and to know who Jesus is. The Old Testament reveals Jesus to us. And Melchizedek is a type and shadow of who Jesus is, who Jesus was. And it talks about Melchizedek being the prince of Salem, but Salem is translated for the word peace. It means shalom. It's where we get the word shalom from. So he's the prince of shalom. Melchizedek is the prince of peace. Jesus, one of his names that we have for him is what? The prince of peace. The Bible tells us that Melchizedek was the high priest of the most high God back in the day before the law was ever established, before the people of God were ever established. And if you read the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is our new high priest in the order of Melchizedek. They're talking about this guy long, long time ago that Abraham gave a tithe to or gave a tenth to. And he's relating this back to us. So Abraham demonstrated to us before the law was given that we're to establish tithing in our lives. And Jacob, his grandson, whose name would be later changed to Israel, who is the father of the nation of Israel, he also tithed to God before the law was ever given. Some people will say that's Old Testament. Tithing is Old Testament law, and we're no longer bound by Old Testament law. But the Bible tells us before the law was even given, tithing was established. Does that make sense? Jacob says this in Genesis 28, verse 20 through 22, and I'll paraphrase, but basically Jacob says this, he makes a vow to God and he says, if God will be with me and will watch over me, then all that all that I will give you, or all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. The argument against tithing, like I said, is in the Old Testament law, but, but Jesus also, in, in, the, in the New Testament also upholds tithing. So I want to point that out to you before. Before we continue, Matthew verse 23, or verse, uh, chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. The Pharisees, of course, are the teachers of the law, the rulers of the law in the Jewish synagogues and of the, of the nation. They ran the culture. And they, would, they were so heavy into tithing, they tithed even on their spice. How many do we have to tithe for the Lord? But they were neglecting all the other important things like having mercy and faithfulness and justice for those who are in injustice. But Jesus says, do both, doesn't he? Because don't neglect one over the other. And why are we such a people that we always just want to do one of these things and not the other? Some of us feel justified. Like, I give my tithe. I give, I give offerings. I'm faithful in that. But we have no mercy towards others. We don't care about justice in our society. And, and we, we aren't really faithful to God. And we think our gifts are justifying us. Oh, I'll buy my way into heaven. Nope, that doesn't work that way. And on the other side, we want to show mercy to people. We, we care about the injustices in our society. We're faithful to pray to God. But when it comes to money, we're like, hold up. This is none of your business. Jesus calls us to do both of those things. He says, in fact, you're missing it if you want to compartmentalize your life 
to feel like you can do one without the other. So Jesus upholds the tithe, doesn't abolish it, but he doesn't also make way for you to only do one and, and feel like you've justified yourself. Are you with me? Tithing allows God to partner with us in our finances. So some of us who are struggling financially and want God to bless us, we, we're wrestling with it. And I know, I know some of us, I know some of you, I've had conversations that you're, you're struggling to pay your bills. And, and I know those are real struggles. They're definitely real struggles. But sometimes we, we neglect the fact of the promises of God. We want God to bless us, but we've tied his hands. We've tied his hands and we wonder, God, why am I still struggling? Why am I still wrestling with this? And we've not, we've not upheld the promise of God that he says, if you will test me in this, if you'll trust me in this, then watch me help you and provide for you in other ways. The question is, how can God bless us financially that when we're not being faithful and what the Bible says that actually we are robbing God if we're not faithful to give and create a habit of giving. I know maybe this is uncomfortable. Maybe this is challenging for some, but this is the word of God. And my responsibility as your pastor is to tell you the word, whether you feel comfortable, whether I feel comfortable, because I'm responsible for this church. I'm responsible for what you believe and what you don't believe in relation to God's word. And so I need to give you the truth. Amen. You can, you can not like me afterwards, or you can like, not like me right now. That's between you and the Lord. Don't tell me about it. But this is what God says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. He says this, will man rob God? And yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have you robbed? How have we robbed you? And God says, with your tithes and contributions. So if we can't be faithful in giving to God what, with what belongs to him, just the, the 10%, how can he trust us to give us more? How can he bless us if we are not willing to be a blessing to others? And that happens. The life of generosity, like I said, is built upon the foundation of tithing. We are blessed to be a blessing. But when we don't give, then we've stopped the flow of blessing in our lives. Do you know about the Dead Sea in the Middle East? Have you heard of it? The Dead Sea, there's, they call it the Dead Sea because nothing is alive in it. It's completely dead. The, the, the salt content is so high in it that nothing can survive in it. There's no fish in it. There's nothing. It's actually the salt consistency is so high. The levels are so high that you become immediately buoyant on it. You can float on, the, on top of the water because it's so dense. And the reason why it's so dense and everything is dead in it is because it has inlets, but there's no outlets. Water flows into it but it can't go anywhere. So it concentrates itself. The water evaporates, the salt stays, and it becomes the Dead Sea. And that is an illustration. It's a picture for us today that when God, he blesses us, he gives to us, he provides for us. But then when we, when we think that we have to hoard it, we become stingy. We don't trust God for more. We, we hold on to it. It becomes to a road at who we are. And now he can't trust us to continue to bless us because there's no outlet for us to give to others. And the blessing ceases and we begin to struggle. We begin to wrestle. We begin to think that we're the ones who make the money for ourselves. And we neglect to see that God is the one who's blessed us from the beginning. And as followers of Jesus, we're all called to be generous. 
And I believe that tithing is the starting point, but not the end point. And this is, I wanna say, is not a condemning word. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving, this is not condemnation. You're not a bad Christian, okay? I'm saying this is the goal that you wanna reach for. This is the target that you're supposed to aim at. All right, not me in my back, but here, oh here, right here. Aim for something. Begin somewhere, even if it's $5 a week. Even if it's a dollar a week, stay faithful, knowing I'm trying to reach this goal so that I can become a generous person. Yes? So if you're feeling condemnation or you're, you're feeling guilty, I don't, let's just remove that right now. I'm just telling you, this is the aim. This is our goal. This is where we want to be as a people that are going to develop into generous giving people. And when we're able to be faithful in that, God sees it and will be able to work in us more generously. Now, if you don't, if you don't prescribe to the first school of thought that tithing is a command of God for us as believers, then typically the other argument is that God doesn't command us to tithe, but he com- commands us to be a generous people, right? So if it's, I don't believe that we're commanded to tithe, I believe we're supposed to be generous. Well, how do we get to generosity? How do we get to generosity? That would be my question. Christians, I do believe, are called to be generous. And some would say the, old, the New Testament doesn't explicitly tell us to give a tithe that tells us to be generous with all that we have. And I would agree. But like I said, the way that we begin to start to be generous is by cultivating the habit of giving in the first place. Habits start in small steps. You don't just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to give away 50% of my income. That would be crazy and nuts. And if, I mean, that happens, I've never heard of that. Generosity, the definition of generosity is giving above and beyond what is expected. And if tithing is the, is the starting point, is the foundation, how do we become generous if we're not even at the foundation? That's where we need to go. Generosity is above and beyond. So without tithing, we're not even actually even reaching the, what is expected, what is called of believers to do. So I would propose that if you do prescribe to this understanding that Christians are supposed to be a generous people, then tithing still needs to be a part of your life. It's the baby step. It's the vote that you are casting to live generously. The baby step to living generously is tithing. Our first step is establishing a consistent habit of giving so that when God calls us to be generous, we can go above and beyond what is consistent for us. And here's what's powerful about giving too, that our hearts are really what's key behind it, why we give. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus does say, that what we give in this life will receive a hundredfold back in this life, but giving only to get is the wrong motivation. God prospers us so that we can establish his kingdom. That's happened, that talks about that in Deuteronomy 8.18. He gives to us so that we can give to others, Ephesians 4.28. And he, he gives to us, he blesses us so that we can abound in every good work. That's 2 Corinthians 9.8. And we do need to expect 
to receive when we give primarily so that we can be resupplied and able to give more but the emphasis should not be on should not be giving uh, to receive because what does Jesus say better is to give than to receive more blessed is the one who gives than the one who receives so that the statement would be then we should live to give not give to live that make sense some of us are like well I need this and I want this and I want this and I want this so I'm going to put a little extra into the offering so that God can do all these things I want well then you're giving to live the call though is we live so that we can give to others we can be a blessing to others so where should we give there's a question in relation to tithing can we just give it to anyone give it anywhere we want and will it count to our 10 percent I give 2% here, I get 3% there, and 5% there, and I'm good. What does scriptures say? What does the scriptures tell us? I believe that the scriptures are pretty clear. Paul says it multiple times. If you want to write down these scriptures, I would encourage you to read them on your own and pray about what God is speaking to you. But this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 11. He speaks about it in Galatians 6, 6. In 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, and many other scriptures, that you should give where you're being fed. Give where you're being fed. It makes sense. You go into In-N-Out and you eat a cheeseburger and fries and it's great. You don't pay for it at McDonald's. You don't go over next door and say, hey, uh, I'm buying a burger over there, okay? And uh, you just go ahead and let them know, but I'll pay for it here because I'm going to eat it over there. That, That doesn't make sense. We don't do that. So if you are being fed in the church, spiritually nourished, you're, being, you're growing, the Bible says then, then you should sow into that ministry. You should sow into that kingdom, establishing uh, work. And the local church is that. The Bible also says that you would bring in the tithe into the storehouse. And this church is a storehouse for people, a place when people are in need, they come and we supply their needs. We meet their needs, we help them. And you are doing that by giving. And as you consistently and continuously give, we're able to bless others and reach out to others who are in need. It's true. We have many families that have come in times of need, can't pay their bills, can't buy food, can't buy gas. And as the church, we have been able to bless them because of your generosity, because you've been faithful in giving. Well, we want to do more of that. We want to bless as many people as we can. And giving here to this church helps us do that to reach this neighborhood, to reach our community, to reach our city. That happens when we give to where we're being fed. This is scripture. You can read it. You can pray about it. And I would encourage you to, write, to do that. Let me give you the old scriptures again if you did not write them down. So you can go home and read about it. 1 Corinthians 9, 7 through 11, Galatians 6, 6, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. So as followers of Jesus, we're called to be generous people and we're called to be a a blessing so that we can bless others and when we give to the lord this is what we're demonstrating first tithing is a way to be obedient to god god i'm going to do this because i believe your word says that i need to do this and it is a demonstration of obedience 
It also demonstrates that our hearts belong to him. Our hearts don't belong to other things or our hearts don't belong just to us. God, I, I want to be faithful in this. I'm, on, I'm going to give to you to demonstrate that you have my heart. That, that new boat doesn't have my heart. That TV does not have my heart. My clothes don't have my heart. Food doesn't have my heart. You have my heart. The demonstration. It also is cultivating. It's creating that habit. It's a vote in the right direction of building a life of generosity. When we give to the Lord, when we tithe the Lord, it is demonstrating that we're being good stewards of what God has given to us. God, we trust you. We thank you for blessing us. We will return to you what you ask us to return to you. And in this way, we're demonstrating we're stewarding the finances that you've given to us. We're also demonstrating our trust in him, that God is our provider. Some of us will say, I don't know if I can afford to pay my tithe. One of the sayings is, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to because you're demonstrating, God, I don't really trust you for this 10% to come from somewhere else or to see increase in my life. I don't really trust that you're going to provide. Tithing is a demonstration of trust. I trust God that you'll make it work for me. And lastly, it's a demonstration that everything that we have belongs to him. And I know this can be a challenging word for us, especially those who are struggling financially, but I believe that breakthrough comes when we walk in obedience to God. I really believe that. I really do. Because those of us who are tithing on a consistent basis, when financial hardships come, because they do come, we've sowed into the kingdom and we believe that God, I've deposited into your kingdom. I need you to help me take a withdrawal so that I can meet the things that are coming up against me. Because God says, test me in this and see if I will not open up the doors of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. Well, that happens because we've been faithful in giving first and it needs to be established in our lives. Secondly, I should say this and not in a condescending way, but if you, are, if you can't survive on 90% of your income, you aren't surviving on 100% of your income. You aren't. You're struggling and struggling. So whether you have 90% of struggle or 100% of struggle, you're struggling. But walk in obedience and see what God will do. And even just begin to take baby steps. We want to see people walk in freedom. We want to see people not wrestle with finances. Do you know that finances and, and, and struggle is one of the major issues of contention in families and in relationships and marriages specifically? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to get this done? We don't want you to walk and struggle with that. We don't want that to be a burden and a weight on you. We don't, we don't want the debt that people get to weigh us down and stop us from giving. Some of us will say, I'd love to be more generous, but I have this debt that's weighing on me and I want to get free from it. Well, that's one of the reasons why we launched Financial Peace University. It starts tonight at six o'clock right here. Uh, it's in, actually, it's going to be in the fellowship hall and there is a cost involved for it's a hundred dollars to get the materials and sign up for it. But the first week is free. You can come and preview the class. And I would invite anyone who's interested to figure out how do I get on a budget? How do I make sure I'm uh, only spending what needs to be spent and I'm able to save? How do I pay off my debt and become debt free? This is a good class for you to free up your finances so that you can be obedient to God in giving. Amen. Is anybody else excited about this word today? <laughs> Like, well, I wouldn't have come to church if I knew you were giving, talking about giving. That's why we didn't announce it on any of our social media, because I wanted you to be here. 
So I would encourage you, if you are struggling, I want you to be a part of our class because I believe, I know that there can be breakthrough in your finances. So my challenge, our challenge today is to be a generous people. Do you agree? Do you want to be generous? We want to be a generous people because God is generous and he's calling us to cultivate this habit in our lives. So whatever step that you take in that direction is a good step in the right direction. Amen. Again, there's no condemnation. The Bible tells us whoever is in Christ is made new. So if you feel condemned, no. But hopefully some of us would feel corrected. Okay, God, I didn't even know I was supposed to be doing this. I didn't know it was a command of you. I didn't know that I was being disobedient by not. So let me get lined up with you so that I can walk in the right direction. Amen? Because that's what I want for us, our church. I believe God is going to help us be generous this year and grow in generosity. And I believe it starts with this one step, this first step, moving in the right direction. Just begin, begin to give, begin to cast votes in the right direction and watch your life develop to be known as a generous person. Amen.